Hello and welcome to Spotlight On, presented by Osiris Media. I'm your host, Lawrence Purian. Today the spotlight shines on the German electronic jazz collective Conic Rose. Their new self-released debut album, Heller Tag, or Bright Day in English, is out tomorrow, February 17th, worldwide. Members of the group who joined our talk included trumpeter Konstantin Dobin, keyboardist Johannes Arsberger, bassist Franziska Aller, and guitarist Bertram Burkett. All come from diverse musical backgrounds, with their individual projects including artists like arena-filling German pop star Clouseau and jazz icons including Joy Denalane. Conic Rose's music interweaves electronic elements, cinematic jazz, vibey soundscapes, and hints of German art rock. All songs are written, recorded, and produced by the group in their own recording studio in Berlin. Enjoy our talk and check out the new album. Thank you all for making time. I really appreciate it. It's great to meet everybody. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) Maybe I could ask that each of you say your name and tell me your role in the band. Hey, I'm Franzi and I play the bass in Connie Gross. Hi, I'm Konstantin and I play the trumpet and the flugelhorn and I found this band. I'm Bertram, I play the guitar and some like effects and gadgets while producing. Yeah, I'm Johannes and I play the keyboards and live electronics, I would say. I've noticed that in the performance videos. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) My understanding is that a lot of the songs from the new album have been worked on or under development or originally written maybe a few years ago now? Some of them date back a few years. Is that correct? Yes. Actually, it's quite a while. I don't know how many years. (laughs) I think we started in 2020. Yeah. We started in 2020 and recorded some stuff in a studio in Hamburg. And then we took a, a break and then we had a real big session in our studio in Berlin for about... 10 days. Yeah, we lived in our studio actually for these 10 days and just chilled together and recorded (laughs) and collected ideas and everything and playing Mario Kart. Yeah, that was 2021, May. And then it was a very long process, producing, recording, listening, reflecting until now. Did the pandemic impact the recording? Did you have to put things down and stay away? Were you able to work throughout the entire time? How did the pandemic impact the production of the album? I would say the pandemic had some effects. The most obvious one was that we uh, wanted to go to Norway in the studio. And we had a lot of people, like a crew, already set up with shooting a documentary and all this stuff. And then it came directly into this plan. So then we decided that we will stay in Berlin in our own studio. So I guess this also changed the vibe of our producing a lot. And I would say in a positive way, all the time we had, obviously also thanks to governmental support and money, was super helpful to 
have a lot of time available to spend on the producing, which we normally maybe wouldn't have had so easily. One of the things that really stood out for me, both in listening to the music, but in the overall experience of the music was some of the performance videos that you have up on YouTube. I always enjoy watching an instrumental band perform and each one seems to take its own approach to how it lays out the members amongst each other and whether they face inward or face outward or how they interact with the audience. I just It's part of the presentation that I love. There were a couple of videos in particular where the audience was sort of you were immersed in the audience. There wasn't a very big separation. I forget which, it was one of the studio sessions. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the role of the audience when you're performing and how it feels to have them in your midst like that. Is it a distraction? Is it exciting? I think it's the most fun when audience are so near, maybe like they are inside the band, because I think... The few live sessions we done with audience in our studio in Berlin let us play the music different or it, it just comes different out. And it's all the time, I think the factor of not knowing or the act of not knowing is so much bigger. And I really love it in the band that this is possible, that things are happening, what only then happens. Yeah, I, I enjoy, enjoy it. Are you Are you ever surprised by what the audience picks up on? I see all of you very much in sync, right? You're, you're, it's very clear you have a, a connection while you're playing and your movements. Do the audiences pick up on the things you expect or do you learn anything from the audience? I, I think it's like all the time inside the playing, you learn the most on the audience because I love it. We are all the time in the studio and then there will be this two hours or one and a half hours of performing and this changing the thing, though this is what we're learning from the audience in the moment to play with a different, yeah, it's just different. <laughs> Actually, it's a very personal space. Uh, that video yet, that you saw is our studio. That's the place where we've recorded the album. And this is our working space. And now we started to do a regular session in our studio and let some people in this personal space. So this is, yeah, this affects the music a lot. So it's not just a, it's not just a gig. It's actually, they're sort of coming into your. Our living room. Yeah. 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 True. yeah. yeah in a way, I think that for me, the playing those songs in that setting makes the songs more, more alive in a way. If you have an audience standing a little bit far away, then the, this intense feeling is not the same. Yeah. How much of the music is composed versus improvisation? Maybe a few songs, not all of them, but maybe a few are, for me, as a perspective of a, of the producer, kind of. So I wouldn't say it's a lot of improvisation there. It's more creating something and then building up from there. So there, there have been a few sessions where I just started working on some soundscapes or loops or some or drones that, that can make the other members improvise or starting to compose on top. Interesting. So it's almost something they can react to. Yeah. 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 I think it it's very important for us when we produce that we have a dramaturgy and this is what we try 
to a set for also for playing live. And when we have this dramaturgy, we can play Lee with this mm. play. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that comes across in some of the the resulting drama in the music. You can feel there's something almost narratively present in the music. I can't say that it has a beginning, middle, and end, but I feel the sense of an unfolding that comes across. I think that was also why it wasn't clear to me whether it was all purely improvised or purely composed because it did seem to have a path it took. And I was wondering how much of that path was charted. I would say that improvisation for us is like a tool to compose. So a lot of the songs, more than half, is improvised in the studio recording process and then manifests as a strong part of the song so it gets to be composition. And I think the special thing maybe about this process is that we do it almost every time together. I mean, if I think about myself composing one piece, it's actually the same that I would improvise and then write down things. And in our case, we are together in a room and we improvise and then we pick the ideas we like. In the live performance, then some of those elements are the composition. And for example, Constantine and me would double improvised melody that he invented and then it became the melody and I double it so it has a stronger feeling of being the essence in this moment and in other moments we are like strongly doing different things than on the album so it's always shifting between those things and for me it's a cool tool because it breaks a bit with like a lot of produced music where it's not one band recording live in a room but more elements coming together and being a lot of editing with computer and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes it's a bit boxy. I have the feeling like it's one part and the other part. And by having these improvisations flowing over this, we at least try to overcome these, uh, these boundaries that there might be. It's very interesting. I perceive that it's the, it's, it's sort of, it's what brings the warmth or the personality of, you as players through the technology. If I understand what you were saying, Bertram, that oftentimes in, in produced or music that is assembled, you might be able to hear it or you can intuit where the seams are in it. I think it's very different in the sounds that you all make. There's an organicness to it that despite it being a lot of electronic music and a lot of maybe signal processing gadgets, if I can use Johannes's word, that it still has a very organic human element to it. As you approach an improvisation or as you approach the dramaturgy, how much is spoken between you verbally before you perform? Do you have, a, do you set an aspiration? Do you say, let's make something beautiful or let's make something rough? How does your process work in that regard? When you're, when you enter the studio, it's time to record, you know, you're going to have a soundscape to react to or a loop or something. Do you talk or do you just pick up your instruments and start playing? Do you put down Mario Kart and pick up your instruments? <laughs> Actually, if, it's a, if we're able to play Mario Kart at the same time, it's the best. That's even better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just have an example for, I don't know if it's exactly answering your question, but for example, if we have a song, we have been composed and produced already and we come in the studio and we just 
start playing it on a different instrument um, maybe we just don't play it on the piano or play it on a synthesizer or let's try to have the piano part being played on the guitar and stuff like this just happens without talking i would say and this makes them maybe start a new idea of the song or a new way of playing it so for example in this one session we played this piano intro from project six very very cinematic very soft that opened up different i don't know how to say ways of improvisation maybe yeah for me it's mostly the hardest parts of the process when we need to talk because this mostly happens when we are either either stuck with an idea or having different opinions about things and then it's super hard to even find a common ground of how to argument about this stuff so i would say when we are in the flow with producing it, it works almost without words or just with little hints of the people who are not playing to the person who is playing in this moment like every person of us can be a producer for the other person who is recording in this moment but this is more like little helps and details and nuances and maybe ideas where to go and real talking is it's also happening but i would say most of the things we talked about a lot they are not even on the album because then we did something new which we all liked more and then we didn't need to talk anymore that's very interesting to me that the easiest way or the most natural way to communicate is through the song through the music through your instruments and that you can if you can arrive at that understanding you almost don't need to talk or the talking is just because you're not understanding each other and then you have to words are almost the second best way for you to communicate your music's the first best way there's there's something really that's wonderful that's really amazing we are we are talking about other things like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not recording it seems for me the my musician colleagues have like a cute way of wildness everyone inside so they bring all the time something else i don't know if one of us or one of my colleagues would be able to play it exactly how it was i i know when we have a concert johnny thinks few hours before hey, let us change this part or or bertram plays all the time something different and this i really enjoy because it's creating all the time the music like a little bit more like how it is how it feels I think Consti can only play when he feels it. It was like, it's a little bit wild. <laughs> Otherwise, he don't play. So I really appreciate it that it doesn't feel, or it's, that there's space for this. Yeah. yeah. Given the cinematic nature of the music that you all create together, and given your self-exclaimed love for video games or at least mario kart have you thought about composing video game music or do any of you have experience doing that johnny <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> i never had that experience or the um how do you say the um willing to do that i mean it's interesting for me to do cinematics things and yeah sometimes it can even have a a touch of of i don't know cinematic music doesn't need to be only ambient or slow soundscapes can also be very energetic music that could fit to mario kart and we had those moments that where we were playing with our little 
cars and on on the big screen and then the music was perfect on how much tempo there was but you know i don't know if, if anyone else of you had experience with that actually <laughs> or the aspiration or the aspiration or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll be back with more spotlight on presented by osiris media after this break and now back to spotlight on i'm curious about the role that berlin plays in your music and I'll have to admit, it's not an original idea of mine. I was reading some of the material that was sent over with the music. There was a fair amount of space in the press material dedicated to talking about Berlin and the sounds of the city. And I wonder how that informs your music. Um, for example, there's one song called Gleisdreieck. You also did a live video yeah. for this song. Yeah, this song is totally inspired by a big park in Berlin called Gleisdreieck Park. Very often when we compose, we have some pictures in mind. And for this song, yeah, it was a very clear picture. Like we tried to imagine one day in Gleisdreieck Park, like in the middle of the day, there it's very calm. And in the summer, it's sunny and families are there celebrating birthday parties. And then in the evening... Uh, more younger people come who want to celebrate. <laughs> Maybe they, they want to party more. And there also come many groups together. There's a big place where people are dancing, salsa or hip-hop, uh, old people playing bool. Yeah, we try to collect these energies and they influence the songs. And I think it's with, with many songs of the album, like pictures like these. To tie that back to an earlier question, What you just described, Constantine, are you having that conversation as a team before you play? Are you saying, let's, let's imagine the park together while we're playing? Or like, how does that inspiration actually make its way into the music? I think not before we play, because then the song's already composed. But when we are composing, sometimes it's before we write the song. And sometimes it's um, in the middle of the composition, we think, Oh, this reminds me to this, and then we really want to get going in that direction. Yeah. And yeah. Now that you're able to be back out in the world performing and doing shows again, what type of gigs do you are you playing? Are you in are you in a jazz environment? Are you in a art environment? Are you in a, a rock club? How are you finding your audience and where do you play? Reality versus stream. <laughs> no. <laughs> I remember we asked ourselves the question, where, where do we want to happen? We, we asked ourselves once, are we looking for huge stages? Radiohead could play, you know, or is it more the really small jazz club? And I think, yeah, I think can't see you, you have an answer. I mean, John, Johnny and I, we actually, Johnny and I, we play in a band of a German pop star and we've been on tour in last September. And his name is Clouseau, and he gave us a very unique spot in the middle of the program. Johnny and I, we had a duo moment for about five minutes or something. And in that moment, we, we played a song of Conic Rose. And it was very special because it worked. <laughs> it worked also for this crowd. So we know we could reach more people than usually go to a jazz club. 
I think that we know and we want to reach these people. But in reality, we are just starting. And when we started playing live, we started, that was in the beginning of 2020. So we had four gigs and then COVID came. We had our gig with Clouseau actually yeah. on the day when Corona was out <laughs> officially. It was yeah. the 13th of April, I think it was. The 14th, yeah, of March. Of, of March, of March. <laughs> it's incredible to think it was three years ago, isn't it? Yeah. Do you notice any audience in particular gravitating towards you? You know, are you appealing to a jazz crowd? Is it more of an electronic music crowd? What audience is there? Or do maybe you don't perceive your audience that way and it's just faces? I mean, you know, I'm just curious about who you're connecting with. Yeah, I would say, of course, there are structural reasons why we get different gigs here and there. And because we are all, not all, but some of us are more based in jazz. This is the nearest connection point for booking and stuff. But I would say, like, in terms of reaction of the audience, the much more important impact is the setting of the show, I would say. Like, how far are you away? Are you in the middle of the audience? Can you see the audience? Which are the bridges between you and them? And then I don't notice so much of the difference in, in the, what do you say, origin of the audience or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, every time we played in our studio with them around us, I felt very close to everybody. And everybody and every time we were on a youth stage with the people far away, I couldn't even say if they are like more of a jazz type audience or whatever. So I would say the surroundings has a huge impact on this. I love the videos of the audience in your studio. There's something very striking about having the people in the middle of the music like that, like you were talking about earlier. It's just, uh, it comes through in the video, the connection between the players, the interaction with the audience. It's not like you're performing at them. It's more of a, I don't know, it's just, it's very, I found it very touching. Made me want to be in the audience. It also made us having the idea of if we could play the whole tour, like inside of the audience and not on stage. Because sometimes it feels like you're, you're doing all this practicing and composition and rehearsing. But then sometimes those little, <laughs> in brackets, things are so important. And then it's sad if you can't arrange the space you're playing in to fit the idea of the music and the transportation of emotion somehow. Yeah, but of course, that's a logistic thing and we have to work on this. I have too many cables. <laughs> it became like a dream to have this living room atmosphere also on bigger venues. Do you think there's ever a role for having a vocalist? Do you think about words in that way oh it looks like i struck on something i see some some smiles could you talk a little bit about that because you're the singer of the band <laughs> in a way yeah it's it's funny sometimes when we send the music or the demo tapes to to colleagues for example singers or rappers they really would like to write a, a text for the song <laughs> but yeah at the end we try to have the the trumpet for example as the singing role like as Johnny mentioned before, we we love Radiohead, for example. A lot of times we think of Tom York when we write melodies. So if 
we would add a voice would totally change the music everything would change and i think this is very um <laughs> i don't have i don't have the word for this would would words be limiting yeah maybe yeah it would change the space for also for the projecting yeah i mean like it would provide an interpretation as opposed to letting the yes, listener have yes, one yes yeah. yes i also think that people would hear it more i would listen to the song more if they can imagine melodies or imagine lyrics or whatever or a rap part and that makes it so um, interesting also for us to be able to build something together for someone maybe <laughs> and you can hear many so much more facets in the music there's so much more happening i wouldn't probably recognize it if someone would sing over on top in a way the, the reason i i pursue that question is in a lot of ways i could imagine it And even the way you're speaking about it, it reminds me of the way Bad Not Good works with vocalists or with rappers. And you can hear their sound in any format, but it is different when there's a vocalist or when they're with a rapper. But I could I could imagine you existing in a world like that where where other people were with you. I wonder, would you make an exception for Tom York? <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe yeah <laughs> actually we we have some plans to try this out but still if we have like on this album for example we definitely we decided to not do this but yeah we are experimenting with this and we know that this is a very important thing if we decide this then it will change a lot yeah so despite the other work that you all have done Conic Rose will be an ongoing project now. Is that the hope? Is that the plan? Yes. Yeah. Do you pay much attention to the artists and the scenes internationally where, you know, there is this, I don't want to say trend, but this groundswell of music at sort of the intersection of jazz and hip hop and electronic music and maybe, you know, independent rock. Do you view yourself as part of that movement or part of that new thing? Or like, how do you contextualize your music in the greater whole of the music scene? I don't know. I, I think for me, I can't say it from now because we, for me, it just started in a way. We didn't think about what kind of music we want to do when we started. We just knew we have to do something together. And f maybe for now, it, this album is just the, the, yeah, I don't know, the picture of the last three years of our group together. And we will see what happens and how you can, how do we say, contextualize it in the... In, the, in retrospect? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we have to wait three years for another record? I, don't, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but um, maybe yes. <laughs> what is, what's immediately next for you all? The record will come out and now you'll go, you'll go do shows for a while? Yeah, we have a tour coming up. Yeah, Bertram, do you want to? <laughs> yes, there's a tour coming up. I think this time mostly Germany, like three weeks of touring, which our super nice and cool booking agency Handshake booked for us, which is a huge support and we are super thankful for this. Yeah, and it's actually the first time that we have so many concerts in a row with so like finished in a way material 
everything which comes afterwards producing wise or writing wise will be hugely influenced by this but this is bigger ends of how the songs and the life situation changes the music yeah i would imagine it's going to be very interesting to see what the very next music is after the end of the tour will you, do you think you'll go right into the studio to try to capture some of that energy or will you take a break do you know yet it's, it's maybe difficult because we don't have so much time i play in different bands as well i mean we all do I wish we could say that, hey, let's let's do it. Let's meet next week or a whole week. But I think we can all say that we we are planning now, like really making dates when what will happen to make it more realistic in a way, because sometimes it's um it's hard to say, yeah, I, I can't do that gig. We had an offer playing a gig in I don't know where it was, but I think Romania or something, which would have been awesome. Athens, I think. Oh Athens even yeah and yeah sometimes it's hard because it's just not working <laughs> yeah so i think we all know what feedback we're getting and the feedback is is really good i think it just started <laughs> actually my my hope is that we already record the new album on tour ah. <laughs> when, we, when we are driving i mean i oh, could okay. drive uh, or francie is willing to drive a lot And then Johnny is sitting on the computer and <laughs> producing and Bertram, and then they will make a recording studio in the bus. Might be dangerous if we're thinking of playing Mario Kart. One more question that I would love it if maybe you would each give your version of the answer to before we go. And I wonder if it's not too difficult of a question, but... Do each of you have a song on the album that I don't want to say is your favorite, because I think that's way too unfair to ask you, but is there a song that you feel like really hit the ideal of what you were going for and was particularly satisfying? And or is there one you're looking forward to playing in front of audiences? Just need to, to uh, play the album quickly. Also, I have really not one of the favorite and it was funny because today I thought you asked this question this was really the only question what I thought maybe I should prepare this and so I really thought about it but I think what for me what makes it special is really the spectrum of these different songs and the sound also especially the sound I think is very powerful powerful funny word but like it's hard sometimes to decide there for me and I could not decide I had a full day to think about it and there was nothing what came now out so this is my answer does anyone else have a take yeah for me I think it, it really depends on the mood I have <laughs> I think I have probably listened to Gleis Dreieck the most because I just it just gives me a good mood <laughs> if I'm maybe not in the best mood or tired or whatever I don't know I, I hear it and then it does something with me in a positive way. So all the songs do that, but I would go for a glass drag, I'd say. What about you, Bertram? Oh, wait, that was fast. <laughs> it, it connects a bit to something I wanted to say earlier in the interview about when you ask how we see our songs connected to this ongoing trend of mixing genres or whatever. And if we, how we perceive our own music. And I would say the thing is that 
for me, everybody of us has, it also changes personally, different tastes. And I think we couldn't even agree on a ideal whatever sound. And for me personally, at the moment, it's, I'm a huge fan of Blake Mills and uh, Madison Cunningham and Tony Sher. So more, more acoustic, more folky bluesy stuff, which is maybe something that I contribute to the sound. And in the concerts, I'm always looking forward to Oli because like it has two parts. It's life a bit different than on the album. Uh, life, we have the first part, which is a duo moment of Constantine and Johnny. And Constantine and me, we visited a concert of Bonnie Ware in Berlin, where he did this crazy um, harmonizer. There was a saxophone solo, actually, which was incredible. And we took this idea, and now it's constantly playing Flugelhorn plus uh, Johnny harmonizing. And then it goes to the B part, which is yeah more acoustic and just this melody and two or three chords which I always enjoy because it's so open and so natural yeah. and it's a great contrast to the other songs and I think especially because the other songs are around and mostly only is kind of in the middle it has a super special authentic vibe for me hmm. Constantine I'd like to ask you the last question before I let you go and I wonder could you tell me the significance of the album title I, is it? Am I correct in that the English it would be bright day, sunny day, brighter day? I couldn't get a literal. What, what's the? What, tell me about the title. Yeah, maybe bright day, maybe sunny day, but sunny day maybe not, because bright doesn't have to be sunny. Actually, we just love the song and we love the title, and that was it. Actually, yeah, I wondered if there might have been more to it because of. Johnny's mention of the feeling of positivity and I forgot how he exactly articulated it, but if the happiness that the album evokes, because oftentimes, you know, atmospheric or electronic music could be darker, actually. Yeah, mm -hmm. it could, it's not always bright or somber, you know, the, that, that color of the palette, of the emotional palette. And it's interesting to, to hear this lush, intense music at times be wrapped in a such a an optimistic title. Actually, the song Hella Tag is one of the earliest songs we produced. Um, we started doing the song, I think, in your old flat, Johnny, isn't it? Like in Brunswick, in the in your old flat before you oh, yeah. lived in the house. <laughs> yes. We were playing around with toys of your son, uh, Bertram, <laughs> Johnny and I. And so this song, it's a very simple song, actually, but it took us a long time to bring it to an end. So the song is from the early beginning until now. It was a colleague of the whole process. <laughs> well, thank you for making time to do this. I very much appreciate it. I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk thank to you. Thank you, Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. Thank well, you. Um, Thanks a lot. Well, it's probably going to be about two weeks before this goes up. Yes. We have two other episodes recorded, but... Um, like our album. That's right. It'll come out very yeah. close. 17. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. It'll probably be... It'll probably be the day before the album comes yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be great. Yeah. Hopefully it's going to be a bright day for you. That's right. <laughs> it will be. It will be. 
Thank you so much to the members of Conic Rose. And as always, thank you for listening to Spotlight On. We're presented by Osiris Media. Executive producers are Lawrence Purrier, RJB, Brian Brinkman, and Matt Dwyer. Our producer is Michael Donaldson, and the theme music is by Q-Burn's Abstract Message. If you like what you've heard, please share us with a friend and leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. Visit us online at spotlightonpodcast.com or at spotlightonpod on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Be safe and stay in touch. Thank you.